0: that's a painful truth to deal with because uh, in doing so, it, it kind of reveals that you were part of both privilege and discrimination in your own right.
1: We're obviously living in a time that's full of uncertainty, but what decisions can we make to create more joy, connection, and solidarity, even at work? It's a question we're all facing right now. Welcome back to Joy at Work. I'm your host, Alex Liu, Managing Partner and Chairman at Carney. Many of us are trying to figure out how we get people back to work. Today's guest, Stephen Tang, will likely be instrumental in helping us do that. He's President and CEO of AuraSure Technologies, a public global company that's developing new COVID-19 testing solutions, including a rapid test that would give us results in minutes without being processed in a lab. Steve is also a former colleague and peer of mine. 20 years ago, we worked together at AT Kearney, and I'm looking forward to catching up with him and talking about how the events of 2020 have unfolded and changed both of our perspectives about leadership. Well, welcome Steve. Good to see you again. Same here, Alex
0: been a long time.
1: Yes, it has. Your company's been doing some essential work in developing COVID-19 testing and your teams have also working through the challenges of trying to come to solutions during a pandemic. How has work looked like for you and the people you lead?
0: It's been extraordinary, delightful, and challenging at the same time. I don't think any of us we're trained to lead companies uh, that are so spread out over several continents during a pandemic crisis, uh, but certainly coming from the consulting business, we're used to managing teams directly or remotely, was helpful. But I think it's been, in many ways, the best of times and worst of times, if, if we can be literary about it. But it's, uh, it's been satisfying because we're in a cause, as you said in the intro, to help defeat this disease uh, through better testing alternatives. So we're very grateful to have that opportunity today.
1: Obviously, the urgency, the public visibility, the stakes are so much higher. And there's a lot of pride, obviously, in your employees and how they look at what they do for a living. Were there any other techniques or levers that you use to sort of get that urgency and that amplification even higher, given the stakes being so high?
0: In some ways, you have to be fortunate with timing. Uh, When we went into isolation, that is most of us, except for our operations and our R&D functions, uh, that was March 13th. We had very close to that date received funding for our rapid uh, coronavirus antigen test. And so there was a rallying point to begin the process. And that is also extremely helpful to focus people and align them. I think having a common cause, having a strong culture, having a set of values that everybody subscribed to are things that you can't. learn during a crisis Uh, those things are more revealing than they are formed during a crisis and so I think those were all foundational we learn to communicate differently with our employees So that meant that we had to become masters of Zoom, as uh, many of us had to do, uh, like it or not. We had to find ways of uh, communicating broader messages. I have a Monday motivational message that I send out to employees going on over 20 weeks at this point. We have someone else or other groups within the company send a quarantine chronicle, as we call it, on Wednesdays. And then on Fridays, our HR group sends out information that's uh, helpful to folks and gives them a sense of how... We are thinking about it from a leadership perspective and uh, urging them, of course, to, to use the resources that we provided them for their own well-being as well as uh, signal to them when we're headed in terms of health and safety.
1: You mentioned something very important that I've seen also in other client situations and in my own situation, which is the regularity of communication, the clarity of communication, the honesty, right? The balance of what's going well, what we need to work on, how could we can do better seems to also come through. Are you
0: finding that the same,
1: Steve? It's a different muscle that we've had to exercise as leaders of enterprises and, and a great cause in the public health side as you are doing.
0: I think that's absolutely true, Alex. I think this is a, a challenging environment where you don't have casual contact with people you can't see fully the expression of their face or the intonation in in their voice you can't see their demeanor their their posture, their body language. And so you have to be much more intentional about how we communicate. And I also think for leaders, it means that we have to be more vulnerable. We have to be able to reveal more of ourselves as a way of connecting better with other folks. I've found that people want to know the trials and tribulations that I'm going through. And I try to put myself in their position. Many of my employees are part of two working parent households, trying to educate kids of all ages together. Some have multi-generational households where they are together 24-7. And so the typical boundaries between work and home life just aren't there anymore. And that requires a particular sensitivity, I think, on the part of of leaders.
1: Are you seeing that's something that you'll need to address even post-COVID once you're testing and once the treatments and vaccines get into full force at scale?
0: Yes, I think it's clear that we cannot go back to where we were and we're going to have to move ahead. And many of the aspects that have made us productive together can and should still remain. And the connection we have with each other is is very important. There's an emphasis that we try to have with employees that I try to express personally that we care about them and their wellness. And the wellness is not just their physical wellness, it's their uh, mental, emotional, and spiritual wellness as altogether, And we want them to take care of themselves. There is the opportunity to reinvest commuting time into fitness time, into meditation, into prayer, whatever keeps you spiritually fit, which focuses you for the day. Those things shouldn't change. And I think in the normal course of business, I would not have been so eager to share my own personal journeys in those areas. But under the circumstances, I've uh, learned to be happy with that and to make myself more vulnerable to that. So I think there is going to be a new normal, which will take aspects of what we did before the pandemic and add to it aspects that work well during the pandemic. And I hope that will become the better normal, not just the new normal.
1: You mentioned something earlier about the vulnerability of the CEO. How did you cope personally in becoming a better leader, if you will, in this in this environment.
0: I appreciate the the question, Alex. It's been a long journey for me involving the spiritual awakening focus on mental health and physical fitness that all seem to come together, I think, just preceding this crisis. And so I think I'm fortunate that I I made those investments to learn more. Uh, I happen to be married to a brilliant executive coach and communications coach as well. Uh, That certainly helps me, you know, and I've tried to invest in learning better about relationships and about myself. So I'm hoping that comes to bear. It's still not entirely comfortable to me. Um, My parents were immigrants from China and not the most emotionally expressed environment to grow up in, for sure. I can sure. understand. I can understand. <laughs> I've been, <laughs> sure I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> I'm sure you can. But but it's it's absolutely true that the crisis of loneliness at work was there before the pandemic. Uh, the crisis of loneliness uh, among people was there before the crisis. And it's all been magnified in what we're doing today. You mentioned diversity before. I mean, the focus on social justice and diversity, equity, and inclusion could not be ignored with the killing a George Floyd in, in June. and as leaders we can't ignore that. I think we, we have to express it. We have to make it safe for uh, those that work for us to, to have that dialogue amongst themselves.
1: You were mentioning the importance to you of fighting racial and social injustice and linking that to some of the maybe the stories that you've had, the culture that you grew up in, the, wh- why you care as much. I have found in external environments and personally in my company that you know telling your stories do matter and they break through the clutter, and they improve and increase a belief that you believe in this topic. How has that topic of, you know, being like you said, an immigrant from Asia embraced even more these themes that are now so prominent day-to-day?
0: Well, certainly I've observed the immigrants' journey from my parents coming to this country and and certainly deeply identify with how immigrants think about things and how innovation is spawned. I think they're very similar pathways in that you really don't know the environment you're in and you're trying to make the best of it and build for not only your own well-being but uh, generations to come. I think, though, that the most uncomfortable part of looking at diversity equity and inclusion was examining my own unconscious bias and to do so I really had to explore uh, something which I think you would relate to personally is the myth of the model Uh, minority, which I think is the way uh, a lot of folks of Asian descent uh, who come from immigrant families uh, grow up, which is somehow with the sense that you're different than the other minorities and that because you've invested in education and hard work, it makes you a better minority. And that's a painful truth to deal with because uh, in doing so, it kind of reveals that you were part of both privilege and discrimination in your own right. Because if you're a better minority, that means there have to be less better minorities. And that's, a very uncomfortable moment. It certainly was for me uh, to come to grips with. And then I made the choice to share that with my employees as a way of expressing the fact that I understand that unconscious bias is a real thing. And I grew up with this. I certainly love my parents and love the life that they gave me, but this will not stand. This will not stand for me and it won't stand for our company. So that was a, uh, it was a moment of reckoning. I mean, it obviously
1: speaks to a larger bias in society about people that are in dominant roles and non-dominant, and us as immigrants, being non-dominant, right? Trying to fit in, play the game, whatever it's education or whatever. Did you actually feel the opposite, which is even, you know, outright hostility in your career, in your personal life, or even in your family's life coming through the system?
0: Well, I I grew up in uh, Wilmington, Delaware in in the 1960s. There were very few Asian kids. There were very few Asian families. Those that were around sort of bandied together uh, to support each other. But I think that my encounters were sort of self-inflicted in that I wanted to be a baseball player. I wanted to be good at baseball. And most of the time, I was the only Asian playing baseball, except for my my younger brother. And uh, it was eye-opening. I th- I think, you know, I had heard that, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in ni- in uh, 1947. But fortunately, the, the people I played baseball with uh, didn't seem to fully appreciate that. And so, you know, we all have to be pioneers in our own environment. And that was somewhat painful. I mean, I heard things from other players and in some cases their families that uh, to this day, you know, shock me. And so I can certainly relate to the hostility that minority groups feel today and particularly within the Black Lives Matter movement. So that is, uh, I think, vital to come to grips with as I think about ways that Orish Technologies is going to behave uh, differently towards inclusion, uh, diversity, and inequity.
1: I was listening to you describe the sports story and then I sympathized as well. I was always the only Asian on the XYZ, you know, baseball, rugby team. And um, At the same time, I I saw the flip side, which is sports. If you are allowed to play on the team and if the parents allowed you to play on the team, you learn rapport, team building, skills, complementarity, common purpose. So once I got on it, I was like, God, I was addicted to sports. But you're right. It wasn't easy sometimes, right? You know, why, why, why is my son not or daughter not playing, you know, first base instead of this fellow who's not even one of us? I mean, those are things that hurt.
0: Yeah, that's right, and they're hard to relate to unless you've gone through them, and that's why I think when people of color ascend to leadership positions, CEO roles, it's very important that we share those experiences and don't deny them, because they're, they're part of our own personal growth and they'll help other people as well. I did learn, I think as I progressed in my baseball career through high school and a little bit through college, that the better I played, the more impact I had on the team's success, the less harassment I heard. And so that's a good lesson to learn also, I think.
1: And it sounds like you've used uh, all your personal experiences, this current crisis, to also uh, cement some of the principles and learnings that you've had over the years in terms of being a good leader, you found some new emotional depth and connection at work also during this tough year. I'm gonna come to your core business, which is innovation in the healthcare world, You know to help solve the pandemic or address the problems. How do you get the R and D function, the innovation working across boundaries and borders in a virtual world and get that innovation engine going at high speed and high confidence? It seems like an impossible task.
0: You need to have a strong culture to begin with. You can't create a culture during a pandemic. I think that's very difficult to do. And so it begins, I think, with hiring great people and uh, having a philosophy of leading them that is appealing to them. And in case of Orshore, I think the tenets that, that I'm trying to translate throughout the organization are accountability and, and empowerment. In other words, you are accountable for what we jointly agree are your objectives, and you're empowered to make them happen. And so that leads to a high-velocity decision-making environment. If they're good at what they do, they're going to work cross-functionally regardless of the circumstances of seeing people or not seeing people. They're going to be able to build trust quickly, mainly by doing what they say they're going to do uh, and leading by example. So all those things, I think, are necessary and foundational. But you also have to have a culture that fosters innovation, that gets you past some sticky situations where failure is expected and understand and accept that failure is a valuable experience. It certainly is an innovation. It certainly is when you're trying to create something that's never been done before and that you know failure and risk go hand-to-hand. I don't think we're fully alive as people or as an organization Unless we dare to uh, stretch and grow ourselves beyond what's comfortable, I don't think there's any progress without risk. There are no risks without failures and that progress and growth lead to opportunities to reinvent ourselves, our products and uh, have a greater impact on on society. And that's uh, exactly what we're trying to do with our COVID-19 products, uh, which are due to be on the market uh, by the end of this year.
1: Well, we're all cheering for that. Were there any interventions that you had to do to make sure the innovation was going to be at a higher level of competence in this environment and given these stakes?
0: Well, I think you have to send consistent messages that you want speed, but you don't want haste. <laughs> so you, you don't want people cutting corners and just to assuage you know, what they think the leader wants. You want them to focus on quality. You want them to focus on creating products that that have a sustainable business model, and you have to give them the right resources to do so. You know, you cannot extract blood from a stone uh, for very long. You might be able to do it for a little while, but you can't do it sustainably. And it's also being in the market for the unvarnished truth. And to do so, you have to create a safe environment for people to tell you exactly what's going on, not sugarcoat it. You know, there's a difference between being optimistic and being a sycophant. And uh, I think uh, leaders have to make that very clear. And if you do so, I think then everybody will subscribe to the fact that things need to happen faster, but will act responsibly for the long term in order to get you there.
1: There's a lot of natural pressure and willingness and interest to deliver the right outcome for society and for the company. We talked earlier about mental health. What about burnout? How do you deal with that? Natural result of this type of pressure cooker environment.
0: That's part of our day-to-day challenge is everybody is doing more during this period of time going back to what we talked about previously, there are no boundaries between your home life and your work life. So part of my message to my employees is to remember that the root of the word recreation is recreate. So it means spend some time understanding your life and recreating it in the way you want it to be, both professionally and personally, and also that the root of the word vacation is vacate which means you need to actually leave work to be on vacation. And that has some exceptions, obviously, for people that are in executive roles, but I think uh, it's sending consistent messages about about those aspects. And then the last thing, of course, is uh, the value of self-care. Say no when you can't do something. Certainly offer a, an alternative, but if you are you know, at the brink of breaking, uh, we don't want you to break. We don't want you to come close to that. We want you to take care of yourself and, and be very mindful of where the boundaries uh, should be and express those. Uh, and if that's the ethos that we all work under, then I think we'll all care for each other better and we'll try to minimize burnout as much as possible.
1: I really like that point about respecting your own boundaries and being able to say no, because you, you need to be the captain of your fate and draw the line on what is important, you have to be accountable for your own success and your own happiness a little bit too. What are some things that you do to sort of keep life sane and integrated with with or without your family or by yourself? Any secrets, personal tips you want to share with the audience here?
0: Well, I went through a physical fitness transformation about a year ago, a little more than a year ago. After my daughter's uh, wedding, I decided that I needed to get my body in shape. And it was, ostensibly, it was four uh, my 60th birthday, which I just celebrated last oh, week. Oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. But it turned out it was actually good training for the pandemic overall. So I lost a lot of weight. I did that through better conscious eating enabled by an app called Noom, yep, which heard of I found it. fascinating. Yeah, and it really did put together the pieces of cognitive awareness with behavioral changes, et cetera. I had always been an avid walker. You know, I subscribed to the notion of uh, Fitbit activity tracking and 10,000 steps a day. And then about a, a year ago, I shifted from walking to running. Uh, which is something I never really did in my entire life, never really enjoyed it at all. I was a catcher in baseball. Everybody knows that catchers hate you just, running. You yeah, right? just squat down, yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Guard the plate. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Move as little as possible. That's right. But I actually got addicted to running, and I had every hope. My goal this year was to run in 5K and 10K races and to try to finish in the top five in my age group. My first chance. This February, I finished eighth in my age group, but felt like I could I could do better from there. So I get up every day and, and exercise uh, in some way, shape or form.
1: Oh, are you gonna still do it if, even if the weather comes against you in Philadelphia? I mean, it's gonna- Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, I, I have a treadmill. Um, Oh, you do inside. Okay. And so I do inside. Yes. Um, But it's part of my routine now. So that's how I start the day. And, you know, I'm a big fan of sleep meditations. And so I use that to settle back at the end of the day also. So, yeah, there's a lot of self-care that I think is important um, for everybody. And um, I try to witness that.
1: Yeah. No, and I think uh, you're a testament to it. It's a self-care is important and it's a lesson for others because, you know, you have to be a role model in multiple ways. Right? You know, you're going to be uh, leading firms, doing great things for society and the medicine of the world, but also, you know, living a fit and happy life. I think that's kind of an obligation that is implicit during a time like this where everyone's looking and the visibility of seniors is so much higher. Every word is listened to intently, every action and behavior. On those ups and down days, uh, even a bad day or week? Are there any tricks of the trade from your side on finding optimism or communicating it, I guess, more appropriately? How do you transmit that energy in a, in a nice way?
0: Well, certainly there are ups and downs, and that's just part of the business, I think. And I think the job of the leader is to, to modulate those uh, a bit, to be a steady hand uh, at, at the till of so to speak, for the company. But you do feel them. I I, I think that uh, I can't deny, you know, that uh, I feel them strongly, both the ups and the downs. I think the way to cope for it is what I was taught growing up, which is count your blessings, uh, which today we we call gratitude. And that's being generally thankful for having the opportunity to be in this situation that we're in today and to make the best of it and to try to help other people make the best of it and be their best uh, while at it so I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction about sharing those perspectives and having them echo through the organization and coming back to me either directly or indirectly as evidence that it's affecting other people. And so I'm a great believer that, that if you send that out there and you send gratitude out there, it comes back to you many And that's what keeps me juiced and keeps me moving.
1: Yeah, I mean, I fully subscribe to that as well. I mean, the gratitude, the joy, the and the sense of purpose. I mean, you are unique in that. You're in a, in a profession, a vertical healthcare sector, and a topic that is just so important in a manifest way. There's a resilience that I hear in your words and your lessons and in the experience that you've navigated your company through in the last six months and hopefully to even greater outcomes in the next few months as you look at the results of the COVID-19 work that you're doing. It's very exhilarating and inspirational to hear your side of things and how you look at it. It resonates a lot, I think.
0: Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Alex, and you know, I think the term joy at work appeals to me so much and inspires me so much. And so I'm I'm happy to be part of uh, your journey and what you're sharing with your listeners.
1: If you're looking for ways to build more connection and solidarity at work, subscribe to Joy at Work wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd love to hear about how you're finding hope and joy through your work. Share on social media with the hashtag Joy at Work. If you have questions you'd like us to answer this season, please email us at joyatcarney.com. Joy at Work is produced by Carney, a global management consulting firm. We help our clients reach their full potential and find the way forward even during uncertain times. Learn more at carney.com slash joy at work.